teaching with us uh, and let's prepare our hearts to receive what Jesus has prepped here. So Lord, we thank you for Chris. We thank you for the time that he's taken to listen to you, Jesus, to open the scriptures, to let the Holy Spirit uh, put some meditations in his heart. We ask that they'd overflow out of his mouth now, Lord, and that there would be great encouragement and discipleship and empowerment for the people of Jesus in this room today, that we might go from here and love the world like you do, Lord. And we pray that it would be um, just a moment in Chris's life where he would yet again know the joy of Jesus on his life as he shares. Thanks, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There we go. My wrist is going to vibrate when I need to start wrapping up now. Uh, Wow, I feel so blessed. Thank you guys for praying for us and encouraging us and investing in us. Um, That was was really beautiful for for Jen and I. So thank you. And for Davey as well. Hi, Davey. Do you want to say hi to everyone? No. Okay, that's all right. You don't have to. Hey, before I get uh, going on my talk, I actually want to share a bit of dirt on your um, senior pastors. Um, So we had the opportunity to go traveling with these guys back in 2018. We went to to Perth and to Walter Bunbury in Western Australia and down to Adelaide and had the joy of serving with these guys. And when you travel with people, you get to know what they're really like. Like when when the lights go out and everyone goes home, you go back to your hotel room, everyone is tired, Um, And the dirt is this. These guys are the real deal. Like when, when, when all is said and done, like we had such a joy seeing the way that they are when it's just a small group of you after church. Um, And so I just want to commend these guys to you as your pastors, because we love, we have the opportunity to work with them in a quite a different context um, to what you would see them uh, doing day to day here at church. And um, they're just really great people. So thank you for inviting us to your, your spiritual home. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Now, you know a little bit about Jen and I. Um, you know that we are um, pastors. You know that we're going to plant a church. Um, but you don't kind of know me, know me. And so I want to start by sharing a little bit of my story uh, before we go any further. Now, I had a wonderful childhood. I was really blessed but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My family kind of fit into the, the nun category, if, if you're into statistics and data. They, it's, it's, they're not atheists, they're not agnostics. Religion just wasn't a part of my childhood. And, and I actually, I really didn't hear about Jesus. No one ever told me about the gospel until I was about 13 years old and I started going to an Anglican school. And for me, up to that point, literally the most that I knew about Christianity came from watching The Simpsons. And, and you think I'm joking, but in all seriousness, like where else on TV, where else in popular culture do you see Christianity and, and just the habit of going to church represented? And so for me, that's what Christianity was. And so no one had told me about Jesus until I was 13 years old. I was in this brand new school with lots and lots of people I didn't know. I was pretty nervous. And we went away on this like year seven get to know you camp with all the other um, kids who were in the grade. And one night, my science teacher, who I really liked, we kind of, we did this walk, we had a bonfire, and she told us the gospel. She said, you know, 
Jesus came, he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again. You know, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus died so that you could have new life, so that your sins could be forgiven and so you can go to heaven when you die. And 13-year-old Chris was like, why would you not take that deal? I'm, you know, like, like if all you have to do is believe in Jesus, like who would not believe in Jesus if that guaranteed your eternal life? And so I was like, sign on the dotted line. Yep, Jesus died for my sins. And off I went. I'm like, I'm a Christian now. And, and that was great. Like my fire insurance was sorted and I didn't have to worry about um, my eternal destiny anymore. And I could kind of just go on with my life. And, and that was my reality. Like that was my experience of faith for the next three years. I just, it was this idea in my head. It was this set of doctrines and beliefs and philosophies that I ascribed to and I said yes to. And because I'd said yes, I, I knew that my eternal destiny was sorted and I can get on with my life. But three years later, that all changed. Uh, and my friend Matt dragged me along to this church called the Vineyard. Now, I, I didn't land in the Vineyard by choice. It kind of happened to me. It's sort of the story of my life uh, with, with church, with Jesus, with pastoring, with church planting. It kind of happened to me. But I got dragged along to the Vineyard. And the Vineyard was weird because I didn't think you could have church in a building that didn't have stained glass. Like, that was new to me. And we were meeting in a classroom. There was about eight, maybe maybe 10 people in this classroom. We sat on couches. Um, and at the start of the service, I, th I thought this was all very strange. This guy gets up with a guitar and he starts playing this music. And I never heard this music before. And later they told me it was called worship. But what happened is as soon as he started strumming his guitar, I just started weeping. And it wasn't like all my, all my deep emotions were coming up from my troubled past. It was just like, there's this music and there's water falling out of my face and I don't know what's going on. And, 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 I, and you know how I felt in that moment? I felt mortified. I was so embarrassed. I'm 15 years old and I'm in this group of strangers bawling my eyes out. Now, I was at the back, which was, and conveniently there were tissues at arm's length, like, that was really handy that there were just tissues everywhere. I didn't get it. but um, And so I kind of wiped up and I, I think no one noticed. And that was great. But there was just something about these people and, and this, this, this worship music that I'd never experienced before. And so I came back the next week. And to my horror, the same thing happened. I just, I, there was, I was crying and crying and crying during worship. And I didn't understand it. But then this girl got up to preach, which that was new for me as well. I didn't know that women were allowed to do that. Um, but this girl gets up to preach and she starts talking about God's Holy Spirit. Now, I knew about God the Father. I knew about God the Son. I knew about God the Holy Scripture. But I never encountered the Holy Spirit. And she said, sometimes when God's Spirit comes and moves in a person, they shake or they laugh or they cry. And I thought, oh... I've met the Holy Spirit. And you know what was so wonderful about that was no one explained it to me. No one sat me down and said, now, when you're a Christian, you meet the Holy Spirit and this is what it looks like. Like, it wasn't like that. Like, I just, I encountered God's Spirit, raw and honest. And that was the moment that my faith became real. It stopped being a set of 
doctrines and ideas that just concern my future life, and it started being a reality for my present. And as, as I share this morning, we're, we're in a series on Advent. We're looking at hope. We're looking at peace. We're looking at joy. And this morning, we're talking about love. And so that for me, this was the moment that the love of God became a tangible reality in my life. My prayer for you this morning is that you would experience the same. But rather than start by talking love about love and unpa- unpacking that theme, what I want to do um, is I kind of want to work backwards to and land on love. Um, and I want to ask the question, so the question to keep on your heads as I'm and speaking to you is, how does the love of God go from just an idea to an everyday experience? How does the love of God go from just an idea to your everyday experience? Now, we're going to um, unpack a passage this morning, uh, which is one of the really common Christmas passages, but it's probably one of the ones that I've understood the least. So if you have a Bible handy, why don't you switch it on? There we go. My, my crew back at Northridge got so sick of hearing that joke, so it's really nice to have a little chuckle from you guys on that one. Um, yeah, why don't you open up to John chapter 1? And while you're doing that, while you're opening the app and navigating through the menus, I just want to give you a little bit of context for what we're about to read. If you start reading the Bible in the New Testament, you'll come across what we call the Gospels. There's four of them. And each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us a slightly different perspective on who Jesus is. And it's not that they disagree with each other or one's better than the others, but it's kind of like taking a picture from different angles and and giving you a more complete picture of Jesus. And what John's Gospel tells us is that Jesus is God. In John's Gospel, Jesus is one and the same as the Creator God. Um, The gospel has seven incredible miracles. It has seven I am statements that Jesus makes about who he is. It has four testimonies, but it all starts with this passage. And this passage sets us up for that. Um, Interestingly, uh, John's gospel is the only one that doesn't give us some kind of narrative about the birth of Jesus. Um, But we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But what it does reveal to us in this opening passage is something very significant about why Jesus came and what it means that he was born on that first Christmas. So hopefully you have that open by now. Um, I'm going to read from the NIV. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world. Uh, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So what is it we've just read? If you found that passage a little bit tricky to follow, I don't blame you because a lot of the language that the author of John is using here is not kind of everyday English. In fact, it's quite philosophical. But what's interesting is that uh, the original readers of this gospel would have had the opposite experience. The author here is using common everyday language to ancient Jewish and Greek people uh, to communicate a point about Jesus. So let's just do a really brief whirlwind tour of this, of the start and end of this passage, just so we can understand what it is we've just read. So the first three words, in the beginning, verse 1. If you open your Bible to page 1 and start reading, they're the same words that open the whole story of Scripture. And so what John's author is doing here is really significant. He's connecting us back to that Genesis narrative right at the start of the Bible, and he's saying, what I'm about to share with you is connected with the big story that started at the beginning of all time. This is significant. This means something very important. He's reminding us of that creation narrative. Verse 1 continues and says, The Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, if you haven't picked this up yet, the word here is referring to Jesus. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in just a moment. But have you ever heard of the doctrine of the Trinity? You know, God is three in one, one in three, three persons, one substance. The Trinity is like the most complicated and difficult doctrine in all of Christianity. If you struggle to understand it, then I'm with you. And you can read long uh, theological texts by the most brilliant minds on the planet and their landing place is the same. Look, we honestly don't really get this, but when you read the Bible, this is what it says, so this is how it is. John's author sums up the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity probably better than most theological texts in just a few words here. He says, the Word was with God and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus was both with God, together with God, but also was God. Does that make sense? No, it shouldn't. <laughs> but that's what it says. Now, I promised that I'd unpack what this, this word, word, means. And it's actually really brilliant what's happening here. Now, in the original Greek manuscript of this gospel, word is this Greek word, logos. And what's significant is that would have meant something very specific to both the original Jewish readers of this gospel as well as to the Greek readers of the gospel. What you get is in Jewish thinking, the Word of God was synonymous with God himself. So God, with a word, spoke creation into existence. And so when the Jewish readers would hear the Word of God, they would think about God himself as creator. But then... For the Greek audiences, there was a very different but complementary meaning to the word. You see, the Greeks had this idea that on one side of the world was chaos, 
And, you know, I think many of us can relate to that, right? You know, the world is chaos, but there's this logos, this sense of order and justice and, uh, and reason that ties everything together and holds back the chaos and allows us to have meaningful lives. And so what John's author is doing here, they're saying the word, the, the Jewish God himself, the creator God, and this, this concept of reason and rationality and order came together in the flesh of Jesus Christ. The author is saying that, that, that we all understand within our cultures, that became flesh in Jesus Christ. And so this is the big idea of this passage, is that we have, what we see in this passage is we have these big philosophical, theological ideas. We have the, the unknowable doctrine of the Trinity represented here. We have discussion of light and darkness and, and cosmic warfare. We have this discussion uh, of this Greek philosophy of the logos and chaos. All of these big ideas get distilled down into a kicking, screaming human child named Jesus Christ. That's the big idea. And as we come and as we celebrate Jesus' birth this Christmas, that's what we're celebrating, that God is not just an idea. He's not just a doctrine. He's not just a thing to believe so he can go to heaven. He, he came in the flesh and made his dwelling among us. How are we going? Okay. You know, I think sometimes, and particularly in the West, the way we think of Christianity is exactly what I've just described and what I believed for the first three years of my Christian journey, that if we just have the right teaching, if we just have the right doctrines or ideas, then you get to go to heaven when you die. Or maybe, maybe some of us treat Christianity kind of like a, a spiritual bolt-on to life. It's like, okay, there must be something spiritual going on here, and so I'll just believe that stuff, and then it will become reality for me when I die or when Jesus comes back. But the incarnation of Jesus, those, those philosophies and ideas becoming human flesh and blood, that doesn't leave room for that kind of interpretation. You know, Christianity cannot just be a nice feeling it actually is supposed to reach in and change and permeate every part of human experience from the moment we wake up uh, on a Monday morning through to when we leave church on a Sunday. Our faith, the reality of God's love is meant to be in and through every part of our being. So what, what does this actually look like in our lives? Like how do we, how do, we do something with this information? Let me explain it like this. During lockdown, I picked up an old hobby, which is photography. Any other photography geeks in the room? I brought my camera as just a nice, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about cameras and lenses after the service. That's awesome. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a nerdy hobby, but I think one of the things that I love about photography is that it's actually really hard. Like to do really, it's one of those skills that's easy to start and really difficult to master. And so I really enjoy the challenge. 
And unlike other art forms, you know, most art forms are about creating. It's about starting with a blank canvas and putting something down that didn't exist before. But as opposed to being an art of creation, photography is an art of noticing. You know, the thing that you're going to take the photo, photo of is already there. You just have to notice it. And you can, so you can go to a beautiful, a beautiful beach at sunset and you can have 100 people all taking photos of the sunset on their phone. But what a skilled photographer can do is the skills can, a skilled photographer can stand back and notice what's going on around them and notice the different parts of the scene other than the sunset and find a way to capture that moment in a way that, that says something and means something. You know, a skilled photographer can walk down the street and where other people are just walking by, going about their business, a photographer can notice something beautiful and profound that's happening and capture it in a way that communicates something, that, that creates emotion and feeling in us. Now, I'm not very good at it, but that's kind of the principle. So if I ever learn how to do that, I'll let you know. Um, but in the same way that I think, I think that as followers of Jesus, we need to learn the art of noticing. We need to learn how to slow down and find Jesus, not just on a Sunday morning, not just when we have worship music going in our car or we're at a Bible study or we're reading the Bible. We need to learn how to notice Jesus everywhere. Because what the birth of Jesus, what the coming of God, the Logos in the flesh means for us is that Jesus is not just concerned with the spiritual parts of our lives, but every part of our lives. And it means that we can find him wherever we look if we're just willing to slow down and learn that art of noticing. Now, let me give you an example of what this looked like for me. Um, and this is sort of like a bit of a corporate confession time for me. So this is going to be a little bit cathartic. Um, but Jen and I moved up to Toowoomba in May, and since May, we haven't gone to church a lot, like on a Sunday. Like, not in the formal sense anyway. We've certainly done church, but that's, that's a whole other discussion. So we haven't been going to church. I haven't spent a lot of time in my Bible, and I haven't spent a lot of time in prayer. And so, by all measures of, you know, Christian success, because, you know, that's what we do, right? We measure our success as Christians. By all measures of success, I'm not doing very well. And so I meet with a spiritual director every, every two months. And basically what his job is, it's sort of like preventative maintenance for pastors. So he's, he, we, he's like a counsellor, but we talk about faith, we talk about leadership. And it's just the most, it's, I highly recommend spiritual direction to anyone. I, I had my first meeting with JB uh, just after moving up to Toowoomba, and I told him what I just told you. I said, look, you know, my, my spiritual journey's not going really well, like we're setting up to plant a church, and I just don't feel like I'm finding time with God. And he kind of, I expected him to, you know, chastise me. It's kind of what I thought. But he didn't. He just kind of nodded and go, oh, okay, thanks for sharing, and we moved on. And a few minutes later in the conversation, um, bedtime routine came up with Davey you know, as it, as it often does. And I started telling him about what happens every night when we put David to bed. And we, you know, we, we bath him and feed him and do all those things that responsible parents do. And then we, 
every day he loves books. And in particular, his favorite book is actually his kid's storybook Bible. He loves it. His favorite two stories, there's the feet one, which is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I think he likes it because Jesus takes his shirt off in that one. And, uh, you know, and he, he's just like, oh, I like doing that too. And he connects with Jesus. The other one is the food one, which is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he likes that one because he'll press on the different characters in the story. And then I'll like narrate what they're saying. And he likes to poke them in the eye and poke their feet and all that kind of thing. That's beside the point. Davy loves to read his Bible. So every, every night we'll read a story from the Bible. And the way this Jesus storybook Bible uh, tells the story of Jesus is really beautiful. Then after that, we'll go and I'll put him in his cot uh, and we'll sing together. And, you know, sometimes it's Baba Black Sheep. A lot of the time at the moment it's the ABCs. But he also, Davy happens to really love the old vineyard songs. And so we'll sing old vineyard songs together and he'll request, you know, oh, you know, Dad, can we have Isn't He? Can we have Draw Me Close? He loves it. And then we pray together and then I say goodnight and then we say, see you in the morning. And he goes, see you in the morning. And that's, that's bedtime. And I'm telling this to my spiritual director and he says, Chris, it sounds like you're actually in a great place with Jesus. Your spiritual walk is actually doing it really well. And what I realized is that in my heart, my relationship with Jesus right now is at the best place that it's ever been. My, my experience of personally knowing and loving Jesus is, is, is beautiful. And I didn't notice. Can you believe that? I was meeting with Jesus. I was encountering him in this simple but profound way every single day as I put my boy to bed and I didn't even notice. And that's why I feel like as we, as we consider the coming of Jesus in the flesh, the reality that Jesus is not just involved in the spiritual but involved in every part of our lives, that's why I want us to learn the art of noticing when Jesus is present with us. You know, something we have realized, uh, I spoke about a little bit before when Kirk was interviewing us, something I've realized is that for a lot of people after the pandemic, their experience of church, their experience of, of encountering Jesus is different. And it's like the things that worked before, they're not working anymore, if that makes sense. You know, I'd go to church and in worship, I'd, I'd find Jesus. And I just, I feel like, God is, is in this season of inviting us to find him in new and different ways. You know, like I, I shared before about how, you know, the first time I ever encountered God's spirit was in worship and I had this powerful encounter with him. That's not often the way that I encounter God anymore because I'll be, I'll be in worship, but I'll have Davey tugging on my shirt wanting to race because he's a race car driver. And so, you know, experiencing God in that way, it just... Yeah, I, I still love worship. I still go for it in worship. But the way that I encounter Jesus looks different. And you know what? In two years' time, it's going to be different again. We can't expect in our faith that we can just keep doing the same thing again and again. We can't turn the relationship we have with God into a formula because that's not what it is. You know, can you imagine if you were in a marriage or in a friendship and you just thought, well, I just need to have the same conversation 
or you know, have the same cup of coffee every single week and it'll be great. Like, that's not how relationships work. And so why would we expect our relationship with God to be the same? You know, I, I really sense for you guys that the invitation this morning is for you to find and encounter the love of Jesus in a new way and in a different way. And I just feel like God wants to release that into you this morning. Now, for some of you, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and He's going to come in power and that's going to be your experience. But for many of you, in fact, probably most of you, that encounter with God is going to come when you go home or it's going to come this evening when you put your kids to bed or it's going to come on your way to work tomorrow morning. Like, like it's not just we love inviting the Spirit to come and we're the vineyard. We're never going to stop doing that. But that's not the only way we encountered the love of God. You know, we find God everywhere. And this Christmas, as we're reflecting on the arrival of Jesus as a baby, let's remember that God is not just the God of the spiritual. He's not just the God of the big ideas and the doctrine of the Trinity and all those other good things. He's the God that is present with us in the most ordinary moments of our lives. Now, looking at the time... I am going to, I had a cool little object lesson I was going to do where I took a photo of everyone and there was going to be a, a, a lesson in that. We're not going to do that because I just really feel like the Lord is on this, this thing about noticing him and the art of noticing. So can we all stand together? And I'd love to invite God's spirit to show us how to do that. Just take a moment, have a stretch. You've been sitting down for a long time. You've been listening very well. Thank you. I used to have this thing where, um, where like at the end of the talk, I'd, I'd sort of be aware of all the people who were sleeping at Northridge, particularly when I'd preach in the morning. There were like two guys that would consistently always be sleeping. And so I'd, just, I'd kind of do the invitation to stand in a way that sort of allowed them to wake up and kind of join in without anyone noticing. So that was my pastoral way of loving them. Um, I don't think anyone's sleeping here this morning, so you guys get a very high score from me. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to invite God's Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. And my prayer for you is that he would equip you to find him everywhere and to see him everywhere. So um, adopt the vineyard position. For those of you who are new or visiting, that means you close your eyes and hold your hands out like this. And every now and then you go, mm, or yes, Lord. Just like that. That's how we do it. Um, but in all seriousness, this is just a posture to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm open and I'm, I'm willing to receive what you've got for me. So, and you know what? If you want to have your eyes open and your hands down, that's cool too. Everyone gets to join in. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait. Let's just embrace the silence for a few minutes. Come, Lord Jesus. I know joy is next week's theme, but I just want to pray, Lord, for an outpouring of joy in this community right now. Just fill us up with joy, Lord.
just pray, Lord, for like a lightness in our hearts now. Come, Lord Jesus. We just pray for more, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. The first time someone ever explained the Holy Spirit to me, which I shared with you earlier, she said, you know, sometimes when the Spirit comes, we'll we'll shake just a little bit or... Like you might notice like your eyes are kind of fluttering as they're closed or, you know, you might just have a cheeky little tear rolling down your cheek and that's, that's totally me. That's, um, just begin to notice if the Holy Spirit is moving right now. You know, I believe that there is not a single person here right now that God's Spirit is not meeting with in this moment. And whether you notice it or not, whether you're feeling it or not, God is moving on you. Yeah, come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Yeah, we need you, Lord. And we just pray for more. We're not in a hurry this morning. We're not in a hurry. We're just loving what God is doing in this moment. Now, normally what we love to do uh, or what we, we've traditionally done uh, at Northridge in this moment is that we've opened it up to prayer ministry and anyone who is really experiencing or feeling God's presence can get prayer and we get you to pop your hand up. But the thing that I'm feeling in this moment is that there is no one in this room that should leave without receiving prayer for what we've talked about this morning. You know, I just, I feel like every single one of us needs just an upgrade in our ability to see God in the ordinary. And so what I'd love to do is if there is someone who's sitting next to you or near you, um, particularly if there's someone sitting on their own, can we just jump into pairs or threes and can we just pray that blessing uh, on everyone here? Can we do that? Yeah, that'd be awesome. So everyone gets to join in with that. Just um, wherever you are, just find someone who's near you especially if there's someone on their own, and we're just going to pray God's blessing. So I might, I might start us off. So just kind of gather together. I might start us off. And then just for one or two minutes for each person, just pray that blessing over them. So thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are not just a God of the spiritual, that you are not just an idea 
that you are a reality that you want to break into every moment and every part of our lives. And so, Lord Jesus, for the person on my right or the person on my left, I just pray that you would give us new spiritual vision to see you in the most ordinary moments. Lord, we want to be people who are naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. And so just pour out, give us that blessing, give us the gift to see you in every moment. All right, now it's your turn. Pray a blessing over the person who's standing or sitting next to you. And uh, in a moment, we'll wrap up.